Hello and welcome to the Rethink Retail's Year in Review. On today's episode, we're taking a look back at the top retail news stories and trends that made their mark on 2021. We'll also hear clips from a few of our favorite interviews from episodes past. Now on to 2021. While the COVID-19 pandemic was the big story of 2020, the rollout of COVID vaccines and a third round of stimulus checks brought the retail industry soaring back by the end of quarter one. By March, U.S. retailers had announced 3,199 store openings and 2,548 closures year to date, and that was a sharp decrease in the upwards of 10,000 closings that some analysts were projecting. In the UK, more than 8,700 British chain stores closed in the first half of 2021, and a large portion of those closures were on the high streets, with 3,600 shops shuttering overall. As for openings, the number of new stores in the UK at 3,500 was the lowest since 2016. But by summer, restrictions in the majority of the US and in Europe were lifted and consumers were back in stores and ready to enjoy public life again. To celebrate this development, we were joined by two retailers offering some of today's most interesting and influential in-store experiences. You may have heard of it, Camp, co-founded by Nikki Kaufman and Neighborhood Goods founder Matt Alexander. What's pretty cool and I think magical about our experience is when you walk into a camp store, you're in what we call the canteen, which gives you sort of like a general store vibe. We have a food and beverage component. You can buy gifts or trinkets. There's adult stuff. There's some apparel. There's some grab and go items. And then there's a wall that just looks like a wall that has some products on it and jars on it. And it's our poorly kept secret (laughs) that it's actually a magic door. And so Our counselors will ask you to recite some magic or do a special trick or have any sort of fun entry point into camp, but you get that magic door open and then you're sort of transported outside of New York City or outside of the location where the camp store is in. And you're brought back to this really nostalgic, fun, creative memories that you have. You don't feel like you're in New York anymore and you feel like you're in this magical wonderland where you can play and shop and craft and go down the slide and play in the dance hall. And it's all interactive where there's stuff at all levels for kids of all ages to play with and to touch and to get messy, to sit down and do an activity with your grownups. And uh, yeah, we have folks that are actually returning multiple, multiple times a month, which is incredible. Super exciting. I don't think that would ever get old personally to see the magic door and go from the canteen into the different experiences that you guys create. And you said something key, which was the word counselor, which Totally made me think of Disney calling their staff cast members, which is always talked about in marketing schools, basically. And did that tie into why you decided to name it camp? Were there other names you guys were toying with before you decided on that? Great question. So the word counselor came about after we decided to call it camp. And I sort of explained the genesis of the word camp. First of all, ironically, Ben and I went to the same summer camp in 1998. And we did not know each other. Um, But we met in 2008 in New York City. But why I share that story and why it's important to what we're creating here is that camp is very different for everyone. And everyone takes a different experience from it. And we want our experiences and we have ever since day one to be 
suited to all different families who have different interests and diverse backgrounds, and everyone can get something from their experience at camp. And we try so hard, and we have, again, since we launched, to make our experiences adaptable and unique to people of all different interests and backgrounds. And I think that's something that's so magical and special about what we do offer our families. Everyone has a different experience that they take from our store. We called it camp because actually a friend of our son thought of the word when we were describing the store over lunch in the summer of 2018. And once he said that, we were like, wow, that is perfect. And the word just evokes a magic and a memory and a nostalgia and frankly, a smile. And so that is why we called it camp. Matt, it's great to have you on the show. I want to talk to you about how to create experiences that aren't boring and what you think about the future. So I want to kick it off by just giving you the floor and letting you tell our listeners a little bit about what inspired Neighborhood Goods and about yourself. First of all, thanks for having me on. And that was a pretty good summary. I mean, we describe ourselves as being a new type of department store of sorts, which is varying degrees of accurate, right? You know, we have fixed physical spaces, as well as digital experiences, where for the consumer, you walk in and you see most major product categories represented, anything from home to kids to apparel, beauty and wellness, and otherwise. Uh, We have our own restaurants in the space. It's our staff. It's our design and fixtures. So it presents as sort of a small format department store or uh, sort of a larger scale boutique. But the brands that you find inside the space are brands you typically wouldn't otherwise find in physical retail. They're much more of a progressive mix of modern and digitally native brands mixed with some local sort of younger companies, as well as some, you know, higher growth, big names, sort of international, more established brands. And instead of being there on a sort of wholesale static basis, just on a sea of racks, instead, it's more of an ever-changing footprint. So that landscape of brands and products and categories represented is changing all the time. So the points of consistency, restaurant, team, fixtures, creates something that feels a little bit like a department store. So it helps set those expectations and helps you sort of wrap your head around what you're in. But for brands, it's sort of, for them, it can be a lot of different things. So you might look at it as a real estate channel to test a new area in the country. For others, it's more of a marketing channel to get in front of more people. For others, it's a sales channel. Of course, traditionally, it might be there for brand adjacency and otherwise. And so a lot of them look at it as sort of a hop, skip, and a jump away from having their own pop-up, but without having to staff it, build it, design it, manage it. And so the ultimate result is that for the consumer, you get something really vibrant, exciting, interesting, that's changing all the time. And so that's us, sort of a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But at, at the core of it, something that presents in a honestly, a fairly traditional way to the end consumer, where it's just a very progressive, exciting mix of brands that's presented through a very relevant sort of angle and lens, but a lot of different things for all the brands and partners that we work with as well. 2021 also delivered new incredible experience-driven stores this year. We're going to name a few for you, including the Harry Potter store in New York City's Flatiron District, a Canada Goose snow room in Southern California, and opening this month, the return of a bigger, better, and more interactive Toys R Us in New Jersey's American Dream Mall. 
And while store experiences are certainly recreating retail, no other trend has left its mark on the retail industry, quite like the integration of digital and mobile technology. An interactive live streaming e-commerce platform called Ooh brought live streaming commerce to the UK for the first time while Amazon opened its first physical store outside of the US in London in March. German discount grocer Little also began piloting a scan-as-you-shop contactless system. Let's hear what some of our retailer friends had to say about the shift to digital. Hi, my name is Dan Goldman. I'm Vice President of Strategy and Business Development at Gap Inc. I think we'll see some very interesting engagement models and digital capabilities come to life that build on the best of what we've seen from the last year. If the past year has been establishing a foundation for digital engagement, omnichannel capabilities, social, and whatnot, I'd expect over the next year these executions get more refined, more profound, and retailers also add a deeper layer of personalization to them. I also think that social commerce models will continue to scale. I also think that winning retailers will find ways to bring the physical store and brand experiences to life in a way that are super engaging and help really reinvigorate consumers' interest in shopping in person. They'll need to entice consumers back and make them really appreciate why physical brand engagement is so powerful. Hey folks, John Boleyn here with Starbucks. Brands with a clearly defined and effortless digital strategy that deliver on multi-channel deliverables to reach customers where they are at. Digital has become table stakes, a really a requirement for survival in retailers and food and beverage. But I have to say those that continue to win will find success in their experience add factor. We've already seen a shift from routinized customer occasions to those seeking a reward or an out-of-home experience to enjoy products and services in a safe and familiar way. Speaking of reaching customers where they are, Starbucks and Amazon Go Collaborate recently launched a new pick-up-and-go coffee shop in New York City. The new store integrates the digital and physical retail experience, bringing together the connection and comfort of Starbucks Cafe and convenience of Amazon Go's Just Walk Out shopping experience. Here are some of the other top retail stories that defined our year. You'll want to take a listen. What if a few hundred bucks could earn you thousands in profits almost overnight? Well, that's exactly what happened to some savvy investors who bet big on the once dying video game retailer, GameStop. It sparked a sudden roller coaster of events that seemed to shake Wall Street to its core. Amazon founder and CEO Jeff Bezos has announced he's stepping down. Bezos will instead take on a new role as executive chair of the company. They're board. shifting their spending more towards some of the discretionary items like apparel, experiences, getting out in restaurants, and you're seeing some uh, pretty good growth overall in the consumer. As America reopens, many businesses now face a new challenge, bringing back workers and doing it quickly. Companies are struggling to find workers, and there's a shortage of everything from furniture to menu items at Taco Bell. For the first time, there's a kink in every link in the supply chain. Shutdowns in areas in China, shutdowns in warehousing and trucking facilities in the United States. Alibaba, the Chinese e-commerce giant that created Singles Day, wants to use its international platform, AliExpress, to help the event go global. From Poland to France and Brazil. The holidays are the busiest time of the year for the nation's shipping companies. And now FedEx is warning this year will be the busiest ever. The company estimates it'll deliver 100 million packages this year, 100 million more than it did in the pre-pandemic period from Black Friday to Christmas back in 19. It also forecasts an increase of 10% from last year's record season. 
And before we break for the holidays, I'd like to take a moment to recognize all of the incredible retailers, academics, analysts, and thought leaders who have shared their ideas and insights with our team and audience over the past 12 months. If you are attending NRF's big show next month, be sure to download our top influencers guide to experiencing everything NRF Week 2022 has to offer. We worked hard to put this guide together for you, and I look forward to catching up with all of you there and in the new year. 